We are continuing our sermon series through 2 Corinthians, talking about all the ups and downs in life. And today we're going to be focusing on uh, wealth and poverty, is the ups and downs. Now, poverty, as we jump into this, is a very complicated topic in terms of its uh, causes and remedies. So uh, conversations on poverty will often overlap with uh, government and politics and policy and uh, conversations about equality and crime and morality and uh, family issues and education issues and race issues and all these things can get caught up in it. So we're not going to be able to untangle all of that uh, this morning. But uh, as a starting point, I think we could agree that poverty is not good. We see God's heart for the poor all throughout Scripture, Jesus' association with the poor, and and that God's people are called to care for the poor. So we come to these two chapters in our letter, and here, that these two chapters are devoted to a collection that was being made for the poor who lived in Jerusalem. Now, we've got to remember, geographically, this church is in Corinth, which is, is not close to Jerusalem. It's an 800-mile flight. I mean, it was 800 miles across the ocean from, from between Corinth and Jerusalem. So this church had made a commitment to care for the poor believers in Jerusalem. And this takes up a big chunk of the letter. So it's actually a bulk of, of, of what is written here. So it's a pretty major theme. Uh, poverty and wealth and possessions was a major theme of Jesus's teaching. About one in every four of his parables was about money or wealth or possessions. Uh, one in every ten verses in the Gospels is about these same things. Uh, God is, this, these are things that are important to God. And it's clearly important, and Jesus was comfortable speaking about it. The Bible is very openly speaks about these issues. We, on the other hand, can, it can get a little awkward when we talk about money and possessions and these kind of things, or asking for money, or um, you know, seeking to get, being asked for money can be awkward. And I've experienced it. I don't know if you have. I, you could experience it at the uh, grocery store. You're, you're walking up to go grocery shopping. That's your purpose for being there. And there's the cutest kid in a Little League uniform with a cup, and he, he's asking for money. And you're thinking, oh, no, um, I don't carry cash. I'm going to say no to this kid. Or you are carrying cash, and you're not sure you have a bill that's small enough for the, the level at which this person is seeking to, to... And you can judge me, but you've done it too. So um, I see those looks. The, uh, and the kid is wearing a really nice Little League uniform. It's, it's made of moisture-wicking, high-performance material. And then I think, the uniform I got when I was in Little League, not only did I not just get a T-shirt, I, didn't, I got a uniform that was from the years before. They would reuse them every year, and you just get the one that fits you if it fits you. It's this thick polyester stuff. was itchy, terrible to play baseball in, and then you had to turn it back in at the end of the year so the kids the next year would get it. The field that I played on, the infield, I think was some kind of amalgamation of crushed-up bricks, asbestos tiles, and bottle caps. And it wasn't safe for sliding or standing or for anything. And then I see the, the field my kids played Little League on. Groomed, manicured lawns, perfect infields, raked, everything, no potholes, no puddles, nothing. Like, and, and they want me to donate to that after what I went through as a child. So I, I find some way to get past this cute kid without making a donation. And then 
And then you got to do your shopping and you got to stick to your list and make sure you get everything. That's what you're there for. And you finally get to the checkout and everything's going through and you're fumbling for your wallet. And all of a sudden the cashier says, would you like to make a donation to blah, blah, blah. And I said, I didn't even hear what the cause was. I don't know what I'm giving to. So I just say, not today. And you've done it too. And, and I, could have, I could have asked her to repeat it so that I could hear more clearly, but then I would just be more clearly understanding what I'm not going to make a donation to. Because uh, I came there to shop, and, 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 and again, it's wonderful that they're, they're raising money for these things. Uh, but it, it, my point is that it can be kind of an awkward moment when somebody's doing this. And, um, but it's an important topic as we think about people as being people of faith right now, today, how we are generous to different needs around us. Um, there's a lot of economic uncertainty in our world, market volatility, and a lot of people are out of work, including many people in our Free Christian Church family who are out of work right now, and it's a very difficult season. So how do we understand uh, during this important season? Because so much of our way of life revolves around, you know, earning our, our income and and making even the way we use the phrase make a living you know if if your parents ever said you can never make a living doing that we could make a living you just can't make money they're talking about money i'm talking about living um but we spend a lot of our time you know working and, and doing these things fernando told me the cutest story this week his daughter said, Daddy, Daddy, let's, we, I want to go play in the pool. Come play in the pool with me. And he said, Honey, I can't play in the pool with you. I have to go to work. And she looked at him and said, Again? As if, you know, didn't you just do that yesterday? So said, Yeah, well, work is important. And it is a big bulk of our lives. And then, um, you know, making a, a living. So this is an important uh, topic. And... Uh, I want to think about how generosity flows from us as we have what we have, uh, you know, what we earn and the, the way we make a living. How does generosity flow? And I want to look at four ways uh, where we see how we see generosity flows from this passage. First, generosity does not flow from material wealth. Look at verse one. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, even beyond their ability. Say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Isn't uh, generosity supposed to flow from wealth towards poverty? But we see here uh, the, the generosity was flowing from poverty to others in need. It was... It was it was flowing from the poor. These Macedonian churches, places like Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, these are all churches we read about in the New Testament, and they were in many ways impoverished, and they, they were very generous. And, and you think about it, like, wait a minute, you know, Jesus showed this too in his teaching. He was in the temple one day, and a widow came and made a gift to two small coins. And Jesus said, you, you see that? She just gave more than anyone else all day long. Because she gave out of her poverty. She gave everything that she had. She gave in faith. So generosity is not necessarily just a, uh, about having a lot of resources. And then, you know, I've experienced this too firsthand. We, I've traveled places that are very impoverished. I went on a trip with the Free Church Missions to Juarez, Mexico. And the people there wanted to 
practice generosity and hospitality. They get, you know, we want you to have our last bottle of Coke. We want to cook you a meal. We want to, uh, you know, give you our time. And, and it's, it's overwhelming to see people who have very few means by a, from a kind of a worldly perspective be so generous with what they had. And so, um, you know, and then you see it. We were, uh, we were, <laughs> we were collecting donations at the supermarket one day. Um, I have just sort of judged that whole practice, but um, we do do that. And in our defense as a church, we were asking people to, we weren't asking people for money, we were asking them to buy food, which is what you do at a supermarket. So it was more in line, so that's how we justify that. But uh, it was a great, a great, uh, um, not a fundraiser, but a food raiser. We were, we were gathering food for Lazarus House. And we were giving people shopping lists, said, look, if you, if you want to buy extra food and on this list, and then just bring it out and put it in the cart. And this one guy came out, and he had four bags just stuffed full of food, and he carried them out, and he plunked them into our carriage. And he said, hey, I want you to know something. He said, I used to get every single meal I ate, I used to get at Lazarus' house. That was the only place I could get food. And now God has blessed me and I'm, you know, I'm employed and I'm on my feet and I want to give back because I know how important that is. And it was out of his poverty, out of that experience of being in need that generosity was flowing. And we know that generosity doesn't, it's not flowing from material wealth, it's flowing from spiritual wealth. Look at verse 5. They exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord... And then by the will of God, to, uh, also to us. So generosity flowed from the primary relationship is with Jesus Christ. And the joy of that led them to become generous. And you can almost see the Apostle Paul talking to these churches in these poor towns. Saying, hey, you, you don't need to contribute to this thing. You, you know, just, you're fine. Um, you've, you've been hospitable. You don't need to do this. And they said, no, we want to give too. We want to give whatever we can because we want, to be, we want the opportunity because we've experienced something beautiful from Jesus. They gave themselves first to Jesus. And, the, and again, Jesus taught this. He said, if you want to lose, if you want to lose in life, you want to lose, um, then try to hold on to what you have. Try to hold on to your life. But if you're willing to um, give your life away to me, then you're going to understand what it means to gain life, gain real, eternal, abundant life. And, and, and he said, it's, it's, it's as if Jesus is saying, look, I don't need your stuff or your possessions or your wealth. I want your heart. I want all of you. And if you're willing to give away, if, if you're willing to give that away to me and that's your primary relationship, the rest of this stuff is just going to flow. It's just going to flow. Because generosity, it's not going to flow from material wealth. It's going to flow from spiritual wealth. Secondly, generosity does not flow from compulsion. Verse 8, I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. So Paul here, you know, he could have, he said, he said look, I'm not, I'm not commanding you to give. I could, I'm an apostle, I have authority in this church, I planted this church. But that's not, that's not what this is about. It's not about commanding you to do this. It's about something that's going to come from your heart. A required generosity is not what God is looking for. That would just be like taxes, paying your taxes. It's just, you're, you have to, it's the law. And so, you know, I know that some of the tax money that I pay to the government goes to help people in need, a portion of it. And I'm glad that it does. 
But I still don't want to pay more of it. I still make every effort to pay as little taxes as I can legally. Does that mean I don't love poor people? No. It means I don't like the compulsory nature of it. And you do the same thing. You can Stop judging me. Even people who advocate to say, actually, the government should do more to help people in need. There should be more programs and more welfare. Even, though, even people who would advocate strongly for that typically wouldn't say, and I want to pay more taxes to make that happen. Because, that's, again, that's not true generosity. Um, and and God, that's not what God is, is looking for from his people to be just um, guilty givers. I'm giving because I don't want God to be mad at me. Or I'm giving because God just requires it in his law. I'm giving for these compulsory things. No, true generosity does not flow from compulsion. It flows from a heart that has been changed by the radical grace of Jesus Christ. Verse 9. This is the... I love this verse. Memorize this one. Ready? Verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Look, if you want to be generous, accept the grace of Jesus Christ, his generous grace to you. And that is, once you experience that generous grace, you're going to understand what generosity really is. I mean, Jesus' ministry did not begin at age 30 when he came on the scene. It did not begin in the manger in Bethlehem. Jesus' ministry starts all the way in eternity past. The eternal Son of God, divine in nature, all the authority of God, gives it up. Lays it aside. One person described it like this. He was born into a borrowed cradle. Jesus preached from a borrowed boat. He rode into Jerusalem on a borrowed donkey. He ate his last supper in a borrowed room, and he was buried in a borrowed grave. He who made everything laid it all down and entered into total poverty that I might become rich. Jesus came all the way. He gave it all up, and he gave his life on the cross for you and for me. And that is, that kind of grace will make you generous. That kind of grace, because we know we've been set free from compulsion, from just having to follow the law. We've been forgiven of all the ways we've fallen short. We've cleansed of all of our sin. And now this new life that's being born in us and a heart that is truly changed. People who don't know Jesus can find generosity or giving to be burdensome. Um, it can be difficult. It can be a painful kind of a task. People who love Jesus seek out opportunities to give, seek out opportunities to share. They welcome those things because you're emulating the amazing grace that has saved you and is changing your heart. And that's where generosity is going to flow. Thirdly, generosity does not flow from good intentions. Verse 10, here's my judgment about uh, what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first, not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. So they're being reminded here that, that in the year before, they had quickly committed to this. And they started giving. And as we understand, they were putting aside money on the, the first day of the week. They were uh, saving up for this collection. And somewhere along the line, they just stopped. So they had every intention to be part of it, but they didn't follow through. They had good intentions, but generosity doesn't flow through good intentions alone. Generosity flows in action. 
Verse 11, now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it might be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. He's saying, look, just, um, just have those good intentions, but then do the action. Follow through. Um, finish the work. You care about poor people? Then prove it by, by doing the work of giving. You know, one problem with our culture that we live in is that we live in a culture that has good intentions and wants the best but isn't willing to pay for it um, or, or, to, or to take action on it. And, and, and the, the problem is sort of amplified with the pervasiveness of social media because it's really easy to go out and make a statement. And you could post a rant or link to an article that is the cause, you know, whatever cause that you're passionate about, you just post it and you feel good about that. But then the question is, well, well then, but then what are you contributing? What action are you going to take? Because it feels good to say it, and there is a place to make a statement and to share ideas. That's fine, but then how are you going to back it up with real action? You know, people want to change the world without actually, you know, costing anything to me. You know, just look at our country. Credit card debt is a huge problem in our country. Average family, $10,000 of credit card debt. So you want something, but you don't want to actually pay for it. That's a problem. And we have ideas, really, you know, wonderful ideas. For example, one idea could be college should be free for everyone. That would be great. That'd be great for them. I'm in a degree program. I think that would be fantastic if college was free for me. But, but who's going to pay for it? Somebody actually has to pay for that. Now, as a society, we might be able to figure that out, to, to do that together. But I don't know, but you've got to pay those professors and you've got to maintain those schools and all the uh, research and all these things. I mean, this is, um, you know, how are we going to pay for it? So if, and my point here is if, if we want to see generosity as God's people and we want to see things change, then that's a great idea, but we've got to be active and we've got to take we got to put our money where our mouth is, so to speak. And I love that our church understands this. So many people get this. You know, it's, it'd be easy for us to talk a big game about the founding of our church was founded by abolitionists and, and the good cause that, they, were, um, that, that they, they stood for and they took action according to it. And, and we say, yeah, that was a great history, but you know what? Slavery is still a problem in our world today, modern-day slavery, and we want to take a stand in our day against that. So we've decided to partner with Amira House, who are active in, in alleviating modern-day slavery. And we said, look, we're going to pledge $30,000 to help them with their new facility in Connecticut. So as a one-time offering at Christmas. So we said, okay, this is our pledge, $30,000, here we go. And, and this church gave over $40,000 in one offering to, to be part of the cause in our day, to take action kind of put our money where our mouth is. And so we were able to, to fulfill the one pledge, and then we had money left over to bless other mission partners who were doing good work in, in various places in ways that we weren't even planning on giving. And we were able to be generous because there was such an abundance and a pouring out of generosity. Um, and again, action is not just money. We've got to remember there's all kinds of ways that we can be generous with our lives. And serving people, you care about people who are, um, who are disadvantaged or who are in need, we can go and serve them. We can go and be close to them. 
And there's so many, and again, for a season there, there wasn't as many opportunities to be close to other people. But those opportunities are opening back up and would love to help people connect with ways of being active. Let's not just um, have the good intention, but let's have good action and get involved. And and that's where real generosity is going to be expressed. Fourthly, lastly here, generosity does not flow from your hard work. Verse 13, our desire is not that others might be relieved while you're hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. And sometimes there's this notion when we think about generosity to say, wait a minute, I've worked hard for what I have. And if I give it to somebody who didn't work hard, I'm just uh, enabling them to not work hard. And I'd rather hang on to it and just model for people what hard work looks like because then you can you know, amass some wealth and some... Um, in some stability. And I, I understand that concept, but the point here is, wait a minute. You think all that stuff you have is because of your hard work? What about your ability to work hard? What about your upbringing that taught you the value of hard work? What about all the skills that you, were, uh, that you have, your natural abilities, and all of the opportunities that you've had in your life? All of those things are gifts from God. Your very life, every beat of your heart, every breath that you breathe is a precious gift from God. It's all His. And yes, you worked hard, but He gave you the ability to work hard. Generosity doesn't flow from your hard work, it flows from God's perfect provision. Verse 14. He says, at the present time, your plenty will supply what they need so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. As it is written, the one who gathered much did not have too much. The one who gathered little did not have too little. He's quoting from Exodus chapter 16, where God provided miraculously, perfectly for his people to have food. Manna from heaven, this bread that just showed up that the people didn't make. God just provided it for them and everybody was to go out and collect a day's worth of food. And some people gathered a lot, and some people gathered a little, and everybody just had enough because God's perfect provision. The only problem with the manna was people who took more than the day's worth, who took more than their share. And what would happen is the next day they'd open up the jar, and it would stink, and it was maggots in the food. It just didn't work. It only worked when everybody just took what they needed and God perfectly provided. And that's a great example for the point that's being made here. It's that just remember, as you're generous with the things you've worked hard, it's not about, it's not about um, other people can just take it easy while you work hard. It's about equality, meaning everybody has an equal chance to be generous with what they have. And so as you are, they will be perhaps even to you because God is the great provider. You know, Jesus Jesus' disciples, they worried about this stuff. They're following Jesus around. They weren't sure where they were going to stay, what they were going to eat, how they would get clothes. And Jesus said, look, you can worry about all these things, but if you seek first my kingdom, and if you seek first God's righteousness, all those other things will be provided. Those other things will be given to you as well, but you got to trust the God who is the perfect provider, not just not just relying on your hard work. And actually the beauty of it is that we, we are freed 
It's not about, this isn't about money and possessions. This is about freedom, that you don't have to justify your whole life by how hard you work and justify yourself by how successful you are, how much you've amassed in your life. You've received everything from God who's provided it all for you, and now you're free from it. And you still work hard, and you still save, and you still do, you use God's wisdom, but you're not bound to it in the same way. And there's beautiful freedom in that. We just have to trust his strength and his provision. So that's how true generosity is going to flow. Now tomorrow, this time tomorrow, you're going to have opportunities, I would guess, to practice generosity in your life. And anytime we have an opportunity to be generous, we can either face it with very tight, closed fists, or we can face those opportunities with open hands. And it's all going to boil down to how you view God. Do you generally view God as a taker or as a giver? See, if you see God as a taker, God wants to take my time, God wants to take my, um, my stuff, God wants to take my joy, God wants to conform me in some way, if we, then, then our hands are going to be pretty tight. If we see God as a giver, that God is so generous to give us life, that God is so generous to redeem us, that God, is, that God so loved the world that he gave, he gave us Jesus. And if you can see God as a giver and you are connecting to his generous grace, then generosity will flow. And then it's going to flow in all of its currencies. So, uh, you know, you're just the energy that you put forward. It's going to flow through hospitality. It'll flow through relationships and being forgiving. It will flow through generosity with your time and, of course, your money and possessions and all these ways that generosity can truly flow from a heart that's been committed to Jesus and transformed by his grace. Let us pray. Father God, may it be true. May we be a people who live lives that reflect your generosity, that you did love this broken and sinful world enough to send us our Lord and Savior, your Son, Jesus Christ, to be the perfect gift, your grace given to us, his life for our life, our sin in exchange for his righteousness and the very presence of your Holy Spirit. So I pray that you would just motivate us, that you would just change our hearts to be people who just pour out for the world around us. Thank you for how we've seen it already. We pray that we would learn it more and in deeper ways in the days to come, Lord. We give ourselves back to you, fully to you, Lord. Help us to um, have the grace to, to live it out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.